So Reed, I sent you this article where at the earlier part of this year, CBS was doing a report on different generations and they skipped Gen Xers. They went right from <laughs> baby boomers to millennials. And of course, Twitter responded in full. The best tweet that I've seen so far is from Patton Oswalt, which many people know. And he says, as a member of Gen X, I'm 100% cool with being left off this mess. Another person tweeted where they had the picture of John Cusack from Say Anything. And it said, hey, remember us? Uh, Yeah, and somebody else uh, posted here, Gen X was apparently out of the building during roll call, probably too busy taking care of the elderly parent while sending an Uber to an unemployed millennial child and arguing with a post-millennial about why Wi-Fi is so slow. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. And welcome back to another episode of Touchpoint. This is episode number 132. I'm Reed Smith. That is Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. How's it going today? It is uh, it's great. How's the weather in Nashville? Uh, it's hot. You know, it's not Texas hot, but it's it's hot for here, I think, is what I've been told, at least. Well, up here in Minneapolis, it's only 75 degrees. We've had kind of a rainy weekend. But my wife just got back from a bachelorette party in Austin. Oh. And she said it was 105 degrees while she was there. I, I can't imagine. It is warm in Texas. That is for sure. Well, thanks again, everybody, for coming back for another week of the show. We've got kind of an interesting topic, something a little bit off uh, off the normal pace. And a really cool interview coming up. So encourage you to stick around for that. We're going to talk a little bit about generational differences and, and some of those types of things, especially as it relates to marketing. Before we do, however, a quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. So go over there and check out all the shows on the Touchpoint Network. And uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcast or wherever you happen to be listening. Uh, we'd love to hear from you online, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, whatever is uh, most convenient for you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll jump into the episode here in just a minute after this break. Using powerful AI-driven algorithms, Loyal's Guide helps patients along every step of their journey, from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or clinical trial. Whether you are using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizes efficiency, and improves patients' digital experience. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit them online at loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. That is loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. Well, we've been threatening to do a show about this for a long time, Reed. So here it is. We're going to do a show where we're going to be talking about millennials. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it's important to say that neither you or I are millennials, right? You're, you're definitely not a millennial, and I know I'm not either. 
Yeah, it's fair to say. I'm I'm close, I guess, kind of. Uh, not really. I don't know. This is another my argument with, with some of this stuff or, or kind of my pet peeve with some of this stuff is that there will be like different age bands. Like when you look at different sites of like what what is the baby boomer generation versus X and millennial, usually the millennials come in there in the early 80s, around 1980 or a little after. So I'm clear of that by a few years at least. The other thing is we're really not – designing the show to be bashing millennials. We're actually talking about how things are changing in healthcare. And it's not just millennials, but millennials, Gen Xers, et cetera. We all have different generational differences that we're bringing to the table. And whether we like it or not, that's impacting the way healthcare is today. Yeah. I mean, it's all about expectation, right? And how people want to engage, not just with healthcare, but just just in general. So yeah, I think this should be kind of an interesting conversation looking at some of those differences. There's an article that, that we found called How to Engage Different Generations with Their Healthcare Benefits. And that's off of another uh, you know heavily uh, bookmarked domain that we go to a lot, the managedhealthcareexecutive.com. <laughs> No, but I, I think you know, this is an interesting article. It's got some great points. And if you start thinking about healthcare benefits, I mean, that that is a big deal, at least to Generation X. I don't know if the millennials think it's a big deal or not, but um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, it, it is it is a big piece of you know your, your employment, like why you may or may not go somewhere, you know, how you engage and, you know, those types of things. And so the first thing that they're, they're kind of pointing out in here is is by adopting a marketer's approach, HR professionals and, and employers can implement effective tactics that keep their employees aware of the health plan options and how, how to fit what's best and select what's best uh, for them. Um, you know, the, the benefits, health plans, things like that, it's changed quite a bit over the years. And obviously, you start talking about kind of the health savings accounts and deductibles and you know, some of the nuances around, you know, if they have dependents or not. And some of that is, is interesting. The article even outlines a, a lot of the unique motivators that for each generation and, and how they make decisions a little bit differently. And they, they refer to a lot of resources, third-party resources, Pew Internet, et cetera. So definitely check out the link in the show notes so you can go to that. One of the things that they wanted to point out before we even get into the different generations is that while most consumers are generally familiar with technology, not everyone considers online as their primary information source. What? How is that possible? I don't know. I think that maybe when they were surveying the millennials, they were too busy, you know, on their snap tweets <laughs> to uh, pay attention to the question. <laughs> snap <laughs> tweets. In most cases in our in our day to day lives are not marketing health plans necessarily. It's you know analogous to some of the things that we do and and the motivations behind you know boomers versus Gen X millennials, etc. Uh, it is very real in how they make decisions and those types of things. They only looked at three generations. The first one was baby boomers. They characterized baby boomers as being between 1946 and 1964. So what are some of the things, Reed, that they found that are reflective of a baby boomer? Well, I mean, I think this this harkens back to what we said a minute ago, or you said a minute ago, which is you know that the internet is not 
their primary source of information in a lot of cases. So you have that less tech fluency, I guess, or you know, that's just not what they grew up with. In not all cases, but many cases, while they do have more income than probably some of these other age bands, um, you know, technology is is lower from a utilization standpoint. I think they were talking about tech fluency because, uh, you know, another point they said is according to the Pew Research Center, 79% of people in that age band, they go online every day. So it's not like they're adverse to digital, right? They're just not technically fluent. And I don't know what that means. So here's another interesting thing they pointed out, Reed. Uh, It's a carefully phrased sentence here. They don't appreciate convenience any less. So what they're really saying is they appreciate convenience. I don't know why they couldn't have just said that. I was having a hard time <laughs> comprehending what you just said. Man, they don't appreciate That's a terribly worded sentence. But yes, so convenience, a good thing. So yes, I mean, again, that's probably why they're using technology and going online as much as they do uh, because of convenience. You know, an ideal, another one, an ideal primary care provider's office uh, would house many of the services that they want or need in one location and wouldn't require a lot of travel and kind of back and forth. So things like x-ray or you know, imaging lab, other routine things that you would get done, important to them. But, you know, as, as a non-baby boomer, I think that that's important to me too, but that's beside the point. Uh, another thing they point out here is they prioritize word of mouth recommendations to influence where and from whom they seek health care. So word of mouth is big for baby boomers. Interesting. Also, and maybe this is kind of tied to that point a little bit, but they may be more brand faithful than some of the younger generations. They may extend that brand loyalty in return for quality and coverage. So top quality doctors close to home. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I had to to weave that in. And lastly, the last uh, kind of generational difference they say is that baby boomers place a high value on reputation especially for health plan or provider names they trust. Okay, so it's interesting there. In the last two points, they are brand faithful, but to a point, it's not about quality. It's not about coverage. It's more about reputation and names they remember. Well, do you think that has to do with the day and age they grew up, right? I mean, it was kind of when advertising was first in mass media. You see stuff on television for the first time, on the radio, things like that. There weren't that many stations. Well, even when we were young, there were very few stations on on television. And so they're listening to things growing up and you see that brand advertising, whether it's at the gas station, radio, in print. And so there weren't the flood of brands that we see now. And so I guess what the subtext here is, if you're trying to advertise to baby boomers, which is a big part of your, your market, is just invest in the very traditional media types to build your reputation, right? So do a lot of advertising. Lots of advertising in print. I think, you know, you do talk about loyalty and service to the community and, you know, those things that show that you've been there for a long time. And the word of mouth piece is really important. And again, this this is far outside of just the idea of marketing health plans. You know, word of mouth is, is going to be a big thing. Okay, well, let's pivot to Gen X now. Generation X, which, as they characterize, was born in between the ages of, or the years of 1965 to 1980. So in this, you qualify, right, Reed? Just barely, but yes, I do. So they say that Gen Xers typically shop for healthcare the same way they shop for retail goods and services. 
They bring an active discerning attitude. Ah, discerning. I love that word, discerning. I feel like this is the Grey Poupon commercials from my youth. (laughs) That's what I I equated discerning attitude with. And I don't know exactly what that means. You know, retail goods and services, you know, shot for it the same way. For me personally, that's, you know, a fair amount of research. And but when I get ready to pull the trigger, the, the buying point, like I already know what I want. That's what the 2017 Cantar Health study that they referenced actually said, is that that Gen Xers use more information sources when they make decisions. So you're, you're right in that stereotype, Reed. That's who you are. They also say that they appreciate convenience when they're talking about like the access to healthcare clinics that offer uh, routine services. So you think about like immunizations, maybe physicals, stuff about minor illness, injury kind of stuff, wellness screenings, uh, after hours over the weekend, no appointment necessary. That's kind of who all that's geared toward. Well, but of course, that's a callback to the great Poupon commercial. Yeah. But is that discerning? Convenience and discerning, is that how is that the same? But anyway. That's a good point. That's a good point. Lastly, and I think that this was just a reminder when they say that older members of this generation are beginning to seek procedures such as preventative mammograms and colonoscopies. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Hey, oh, okay. Yeah. Everybody's getting old. We get it. All right. We move on. Lastly, millennials. Let I'll let you lead this one in. Yeah. So millennials that were born in the last six or seven years. No, I'm just kidding. They, <laughs> they are in the workforce though. And they are very much, and they talk about it here, keyed in on the idea of, of ease, right? And accessibility. And so, you know, that they're looking for clear comparisons. A lot of things are emotionally driven. And that emotion really becomes a big part of how they actually consume care and actually consume goods, right? They use personal relationships to determine brand loyalty. And if they have a negative experience, they're likely to switch much faster than other generations. So you have a bad experience at your doctor. That may be the last time they, they go to you. That's right. Don't go against what they feel their truth is. That's what I learned. <laughs> Uh, moreover, Reed, they say they appreciate online tools such as like portals to manage benefits and mobile apps to enroll in wellness programs. And they want to have doctors that offer telehealth options like video visits and office visits. Now, I'm not really sure if that's because they're more tech savvy or tech fluent, as I said earlier, or is it that they just want to have it more accessible? I think it's kind of a six of one, half a dozen of the other, don't you think? Yeah, to some degree. I think obviously as you skew younger, you know, take take the, the nomenclature away, just as the younger folks engage in healthcare, uh, obviously ease, you know, on that scale becomes more important. The way that they engage in their normal lives through like chat on websites and things like that, that that's what they're looking for. And, and, and quite honestly, that's what I'm looking for. You know, I think the telehealth idea you know, you and I have traveled through the years quite a bit, you know, for work at different times and things like that. So if you're somewhere that you um, are not used to being, that's what you're looking for, right? Is the ability, some consistency around how I'm engaging with my health care. This reiterates to me that maybe these aren't generational differences. I would argue that if you took all of these things and you asked a Gen X, would you like your health plan or your health system to offer these things? They probably will reflect back. Yeah, we we want that those sorts of things. Do you think that this is a generational thing? 
No, but maybe from an expectation standpoint, you know, what, what their, you know, priority, you know, how they're driving towards uh, the end goal. But again, if you brought the solution to the table, especially between Gen X and millennials, there would be a lot of consistency there around the delivery uh, of communication. Uh, because even in Gen X, when we start talking about like our kids in school and things like that, I remember having uh, Dr. Justin Smith on the show. So gosh, it's been a long time ago now, but talking about, you know, telehealth as it related to schools and their, and their market, you know, they're, they're doing telehealth visits with the school nurse. Well, yeah, I'd love to know that that exists at my kid's school, you know, that they have access to these doctors. And I think if you bring the solution, it's, it's a little bit of a different discussion. Well, the article wraps up by saying the one constant that transcends all generations is the demand for quality care with convenience, access, and transparent pricing. It's basically everything is the one thing that transcends all generations. Because <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> want quality care with convenience, access, and transparent pricing? Top quality doctors close to home. I'm telling you, that's, that's where everybody <laughs> wants to be. Next article that that we're going to dive into uh, right after the break talks a little bit about millennials and uh, the changing way that we do healthcare. You care about simplifying the way your healthcare organization does business, and so do we. At Scorpion, our mission is to empower our clients to focus on things that really matter by giving them a simple, powerful effective suite of marketing solutions for their healthcare digital presence. To learn more, visit us online at scorpion.co. Before the break, we talked a lot about the different generations, expectations, et cetera, et cetera. It also teased the idea that, you know, millennials are possibly altering the way that we do healthcare. So let's, uh, let's take a look at that. Another great uh, article that you found over on Forbes. And it's actually titled Five Ways Millennials Do Healthcare Their Own Way. Ooh, their own way. In the article, it starts off by a quote from Jean Hippert of PNC Healthcare, where she said, Millennials are going to take the wheel and shape the road ahead in healthcare. Obviously, I would take that with, with heart, except for two sentences later, they say, millennials are now doing what they say is adulting, and they're making healthcare decisions for themselves and their families. So now, right away, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Can't have a conversation about adulting. Oh, grief. <laughs> but I mean, the point is, is that every generation, I think, brings new expectations into healthcare, into the way healthcare is done. And, and every generation is probably impacted and changed the way healthcare is being utilized. It isn't like millennials suddenly have this great power. They certainly are having an influence on the way we do healthcare today. So why don't we go through these five ways, Reed? What's the first one? Millennials want digital access to their healthcare services. Again, I could just say most everyone wants digital access to their healthcare services. And again, you know, we've already kind of covered this you know, exhaustively, but the idea that people want ease and convenience. More than ease and convenience, we talked about before the break about all the different things, mobile apps, uh, telehealth, you know, a variety of different things. But they want to be given the tools that they can manage their own care in a preventative way. And many of them are actually wearing wearable devices to keep track of their health. I mean, you know, they're on exercise regimes, they're using Fitbits or whatever, and they want that integrated with 
their care delivery. And I think that's still a challenge on us as a health system to, to provide that. It, it is. I mean, I, you know, we can't get interoperability nailed down in the marketing department, much less, you know, across the healthcare system. So to add to that confusion, what you just brought up, to add to that pain, millennials seek medical information from various sources, not just physicians. Oh, boy. There's a study by Gray Health and Cantor Health that said 41% of millennials noted that they trust physicians as the best source of health information, but barely a fourth agreed that doctors and pharmacists give them the information they need to make those decisions. That's a paradox. Got a real Jenny McCarthy on her hands here. <laughs> don't give us the information we need. Uh, is it we don't get the information we need or we don't get the information we like? Hmm. That's a very good question. I just wonder how much, and I'm not even talking about millennials, just people in general. I mean, you don't have to look much further than the vocal minority around, you know, the anti-vax movements and some of that kind of stuff. I don't know the generational breakdown amongst said movement, but it's that's disappointing. You know, 41%. Think about the other sources. They consult friends, family blogs, message boards, websites. Like WebMD and Mayo Clinic, they kind of call out in this article. The point is here, I think that as we, of course, we're all privy to getting false information through various online sources. The point is, is that they're researching, I guess, just as discerningly as Gen Xers are, but they're researching for care online. But all that information can hinder their decision making, the article states. The next one is that millennials want cost transparency. And uh, good luck with that. Don't we all want that? No, right? we do. We do. I'm not. I'm not bagging on anybody. I'm not bagging on millennials. Certainly for that. For that statement, we'd all, we'd all love to know what it costs. That's a hard one. I, I don't know that we have time to really get into the idea around price uh, price transparency. Well, we should do a whole episode on price transparency because there's probably a lot of uh, decisions that go into that. But like the previous article said, Reed, we all want price transparency, don't we? I mean, I would think so. I'd like to know what I'm going to pay for something. I'm trying to keep the tone of this podcast to be a little bit um, like less millennial bashing, but number four really gets me. It says millennials, not primary care doctors, orchestrate their own care. Oh, boy. They, they say millennials depend more on themselves than their primary care doctor to make medical decisions. That's probably not ideal. Uh, I hope there's more to that than just that. And again, not to do with millennials, just anybody. I understand the idea of like being stubborn and like, you know, not going to the doctor and, you know, that kind of thing. Like that's been around for generations, historically with men, probably more so. But the idea that like, you know, you can orchestrate your own care because you're good at using the Internet, you know, is probably not a sound uh, advice. Now, don't hear that as you shouldn't be involved in your care. Like, I, I don't want a bunch of tweets and emails. You definitely should be involved in your own care. You should be watching out for yourself, your kids, your parents, you know, who, whoever you're taking care of. But just to say that, like, you know, you've got kind of final veto powers, if you will, and you're going to orchestrate it, uh, that makes me a little nervous. Well, and it kind of dovetails into point number five, which is millennials view health holistically. And again, um, referring to all of those different devices, millennials tend to um, focus on fitness, mental well-being. They tend to join more wellness programs. Many of them are not haven't even started smoking, and they actually view their 
their working place, they make considerations about the capabilities of like how much stress there is in the workplace because they want to have a healthy mental attitude, which they feel impacts their physical health. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Some of this is generational, right? Which is, you know, kind of the suck it up attitude. I think that goes a lot, especially to like maybe our parents' generation or the generations before us where people worked at the same job for 28 years, you know, 34 years, whatever it was. Some of that obviously was based on the transient nature that we we have now, which is we're willing to pick up and move and go and do and, you know, those types of things. But some of it was just like, that's just what you did. Like, it didn't matter if you liked your job or not. That really wasn't, that's not the point. And now this idea of like, you know, you should like what you're doing, change the way people look and view even their health as it relates to their employment. So I think that we have just enough time to talk a little bit about attracting, hiring, and retaining millennial healthcare workers, because the, the one big thing that's, that's clear is in healthcare, we want to not only attract them as patients, but we also want to attract them as employees. Why don't we go through uh, this article that we found on a site called the Children's Hospital Association? And I think this is where we really get into some of the marketing pieces of this discussion, which is, you know, we're trying to, and I've had a lot of conversations with CEOs through the years of, you know, how do we better attract and then ultimately retain, you know, like new grad nurses, right? Like nurses are in short supply or even, you know, other allied health fields. We get them to come to our organizations. Well, how do, how do we keep them for over that two-year period of time? And hopefully they don't just return home, so to speak, Right consistency and longevity within the field does equate to quality outcomes and some of those types of things. So it's really important. You know, the first stat here that, that kind of jumps out to me is that 90% of millennials indicated that a hospital's website is the first place they're going to look for a job. That's interesting to me that it's not more of an aggregated job source, like Indeed, you know, or something. Well, they actually mention Indeed, right? They say that actually many millennials use Google for those job searches. And they do suggest to use Google AdWords to try to attract them. But ultimately, you're bringing them back to your website. And the website is where they're looking. They're actually looking through your website, making judgments about your organization based on how your website looks. So, and that makes sense, right? Because some of the you know websites we've built historically, you know, have been very purposeful to have this area of the site for employees or potential employees where you're talking about culture, you're showcasing awards, uh, you know, all those types of things that it's like, why would it be a good idea to work here is maybe just, or maybe more important than showcasing wound care on the website or, or some service line that somebody thinks is super important. They also want reviews. So they do turn to sites like Glassdoor and Indeed for reviews on the organization. They want to hear how other employees view. So you got to make sure that if you're going out and attracting millennials, you're going to are very much aware of what other employees are saying about working at your health system. Yeah, that's a tough one. I've I've dealt with some Glassdoor uh, issues with folks over the last probably 60 days, I guess. And um, that's an interesting one. It's just it's such a different conversation online than it is with with a consumer or a patient potential patient leaving a bad review you know just it's a different thing it's so funny how quickly they're willing to call out senior leadership around mission uh, and vision related disconnects 
which I think every health system kind of has that inherently in them. So that's kind of a unfair, you know, way to prejudge an organization. If that's what you're reading on Glassdoor. Yep. So that's a bit of a challenge. The next couple of points that they mention are more like around the, the sort of the more of the softer aspects of the job. So first of all, they say about two thirds of millennials want to work for an employer that participates in positive social causes, where in contrast, only 50% of boomers and Gen Xers want that. So what's interesting to me about that, I think, and it kind of jumped out to me a little bit and, and gave me a little bit of pause, uh, obviously, with some things I've probably said on this show or just in conversation. But when you look at your content strategy for an organization and you start looking at all the event-based content that you promote throughout the year, and we talk about like, well, how useful really is that for Heart Month or even you sponsored the, the triathlon in town, you know, whatever it is. Well, maybe it really is important, but it's important on this side of the coin, not the patient acquisition side, certainly, but it does give a certain flavor and allows people to see how you're participating in the community, which obviously to millennials is important. Other things that are important to them, they say that 69% of millennials rank salary is a very important to them, is highly important. However, the benefits package, almost 60% of them say that can influence their decision whether to accept or decline a position. Is that really just true of millennials? I think that's true of everybody. Again, I'm back to that point. Maybe I'm a one-note person today, but it sounds to me like that's something I look at too as a Gen Xer. I think it is. I think it's maybe what's inside that benefit package. So we're like you or I may be concerned with like how good is the health insurance for example, and how much is the employer paying of said health insurance and some of those types of things, uh, how low are the deductibles, et cetera, et cetera. You know, millennials may be more concerned with professional development and PTO and, again, more of that kind of experience-related stuff, less about, you know, these things that we've thought of benefit-wise, you know, historically, Absolutely. That's another point they brought up there, right? Is that education, continuing education, even free continuing medical education or nursing education with your health system is important. And then lastly, the other piece they get to read is probably the most critical one here. And it's something that me looking back when I entered the workforce, I could have benefited from too as well, which is a mentorship program, particularly initiated during the onboarding process. I could use that now. (laughs) <laughs> I need I need more mentors. I've done a fair amount of community management through the years and, and monitored and you know all that kind of stuff. And and I have seen that a fair amount. You know, I'm gonna be graduating from X school at when can I apply for the residency program and what does it include and being able to point people to that content on a website of you know, the mentorship piece and the, you know, and all the, you know, the, the peer to peer connections and some of those types of things. That's really important as you're stepping into the workforce, especially for a first time. Absolutely. Well, there are a lot more things that you can actually be considering and and thinking about. And they're surfaced in the interview that we're going to jump to in just a second here with Rob Rosenberg. He, he, I got a chance to catch up with him a couple months ago, and we're only just playing this uh, interview now. But he talks about how hospital associations or even healthcare associations are changing the way they actually present themselves to this ever-changing marketplace. Are you struggling with online reputation management? Binary Health Analytics provides healthcare systems, hospitals, 
and physician practices a complete view into managing patient feedback from online ratings and reviews and especially surveys. It continuously mines feedback for sediment, uncovering timely and actionable insights. Its management tools help turn these insights into an opportunity to increase patient engagement, manage reputation, and improve patient experience. To learn more about Binary Health Analytics, visit Binary Fountain online at binaryfountain.com. That is binaryfountain.com. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert section of our podcast, and I have a repeater today. This is your second time on yes, the show, Rob. Oh my gosh, it feels like the first time. I'm not sure how to take that, know. but right. it's been almost a it's year now, because <laughs> I recorded our, our last interview a year ago at the same conference, yes, and we're recording was. again here today. Awesome. How are you today? I'm great. 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 Good to be back. Rob, for those people that don't go deep into the annals of our podcast library, right. and they may not know you, you want to do a brief introduction? Sure. So I'm Rob Rosenberg. I'm president of Springboard Brand and Creative Strategy. We're located... Right in the beautiful uh, burbs out here in Chicago, mm-hmm. and we've uh, been working with healthcare organizations for about 18 years. Started the company in 2002, and I'm one of the old timers. I started in this business in about 1988, working with hospitals and their branding. So I'm going on uh, a long time, 30, wow. 31 years. Way back then, I couldn't even imagine what branding was like. It was public relations. <laughs> That's there you what go. It was. it was literally the department was called public relations, and I was I kind of looked back at it fondly to see that switch mm-hmm. that they made from public relations to branding or marketing, actually. So kind of public relations, marketing. And then we kind of got more into, into branding. So right. that's what it was back then. Wow. Yeah. Well, so you spend a lot of time in the space now. And what's interesting, you and I were catching up earlier, you're spending a lot of time working with another component of our industry that's very closely related and affiliated with us, and that's associations. It right? is, medical associations. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the home of them here in Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago and D.C., and there's probably 50 medical associations and spinoffs located here. And uh, all of them are facing their own unique challenges. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, many are thinking marketing and branding and member engagement and retention. So that's kind of brought us into that. It's been a very fascinating industry to to get to know. So are they in the same cycle as as hospitals and health systems are at? You know, they are in a different cycle. They're probably, they look at, they're actually very sophisticated Mm -hmm. organizations. and, Mm -hmm. And they have members who are looking to essentially they're looking to retain because those members who are doctors mm-hmm. are being pulled in many different directions so yeah these associations are trying to make sure that they get their fair share of their members time and they're also competitive because you have all the subspecialty mm-hmm. associations that are also buying for that member mm-hmm. and so the membership and the associations actually get quite competitive they do get out it sounds like a really interesting and, and uh, a marketing and branding challenge, right? It in many is, cases, yeah. and a lot of our audience are members of associations, right? right. The people that we work with, so to speak, too, um, at our health systems, the physicians, etc., and even professional associations. I'm a member of a few myself, right? And you know, I think that a lot of times, us as marketers, we, we think about an association. We think, well, that that's the ideal state, right? You want to have this association of people that are like-minded, they're collected together. But I, I say, I 
I think they might have a few challenges that we're not aware of. Is, is that true? Well, you know, they, they do. They One of the big challenges that associations have, and there's many, but one of the big ones that we keep hearing over and over is how do you engage younger? Huh? How do you engage younger members? Because younger members, so they're young physicians or they're coming out of their residencies and they are the future of these organizations, whether they're vascular surgeons, pediatricians, whether they're uh, orthopedists, whatever they are. You know, these are those big associations. And so they come out and they have a lot of challenges. They owe significant funds in terms of their student debt. And so the associations are still charging and they have introductory rates, but they still want a commitment of time and money and resources from these younger members in order to secure their future, both the organization and the members. So that is a big challenge that they that they have. And these are millennials, so they really don't, you know, they're not loyal to anything, right? I well, mean, they're not. They're loyal. You know what? They're loyal to their own lifestyle. They're loyal to a work-life balance. Uh, and they're loyal to advocacy and trying to change the world. Mm. It's really interesting because associations have traditionally postured themselves to members as essentially join us it's a sales call really it's join us and learn from us in terms of education and research and networking mm -hmm. and a lot of these younger members the millennial members are saying you know that's all fine but don't sell to me convince me to join in a way that's going to speak to what I want to accomplish not what you offer because I want to accomplish great things in the world. I want to help children, pediatricians. I want to uh, do some things in vascular surgery that help people with not only surgery, but vascular health is a client we're working with. Mm -hmm. And so all of these organizations are trying to reshape their, their own structure and dialogue with these members to say, here's how you can benefit as opposed to here's how we benefit you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's a challenge, it's a switch for them. Well, and you know, and I think that aligns with a lot of what I'm reading, and, and not that I don't want to isolate millennials as being this, right. you know, yeah. I mean, I think every every generation goes through similar things. Yes. It's, it's true that you want to be associated with an organization that will benefit you and, and will help support you. and. Um, and I read about this like through environmental, like people make choices for green friendly products, et cetera, right? right. There's an advocacy, I think, around our, our spending our time, our dollars as individuals. And it sounds like this is true too for the medical professionals, right? It is. They see a significant return, I think, on that investment when they speak in, that, that's what's important to our generation today. I mean, our, our current world has made it the right thing to do the right thing mm -hmm. truly if mm -hmm. you think about it to anyone who you know has a, a good conscience so that has trickled down across all I think that was across all generations yeah. but especially for you know the younger ones millennial X etc where it's a little bit focused on what's in it for me they're they're kind of not looking at it what's in it for me it's what can I do in this society today mm -hmm. uh, so for example the American Academy of Pediatrics okay. is reshifting some of their branding structure to a younger member, and they're saying, here's what you can accomplish. Here's the impact you can have on a child today. So it's not take care of sick children. 
and make sure kids get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. It's here's the impact you can make in the world when it comes to children's health, whether it's going to Africa and advocating for certain things there that the AAP can help facilitate, mm -hmm. whether it's going to the walls and with immigration in Texas right, and helping assess the situation and care for the children. So it's not about the traditional become a member of our organization. We're going to teach you when to breastfeed. We're going to teach you when to vaccinate. We're going to teach you when to give appropriate whatever. It's today. It's how can we help you save the world, which right. is really kind of your mantra these days. Right. That's and, that's, cool. and that's something that associations are uniquely able to provide yes. because, you know, all of this tactical stuff that you mentioned, breastfeeding and blah, blah, blah. I mean, not to bring digital into it, but I always bring digital into it. <laughs> all that stuff's available online, right? right? Yeah. And I think the internet has really shifted the way uh, people interact with one another too and what groups they align with because right. now we have so many different um opportunities to align with people you don't they don't have to be in your local community they can be in another country or whatever right and yeah. we've become so sub niche yeah. so that's a, that's interesting very interesting right right and, and the other part of that too is that versus hospitals and health systems all associations are global yeah so they're not located in a market they're really located in either all markets in the US or some of them are in other countries. Mm -hmm. So that's where digital really does come into play because to the best way to reach them on a global basis uh, through, you know, uh, whether it's landing page, microsite, whatever, is, is through digital. It's the most efficient way to reach them. Right. So um, getting on Facebook and other social media platforms, targeting them, which as you know, is yeah. easy and not expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, you can really reach quite the audience um, in a pretty efficient way. Absolutely, but it's not just capturing that audience then, right? They have to build that, continue to reinforce that relationship with them because, you know, you can join an association and leave in a year or two if, right. you, if you wanted to, right? Absolutely. So what are some of the things that they're, that you see the associations are doing for that? You know, uh, well, they, they constantly, I, I think first they're shifting their voice, kind of as I mentioned. They're, yeah. They're getting away from the cell mm -hmm. and into the dialogue with the prospective members and they're talking about what they can do to benefit and not how they can benefit from joining the association. So that whole shift in voice is occurring. Mm -hmm. And I think even from a digital standpoint, they're, you know, it's, it's been fun because they're really wanting to do some very fresh, very contemporary looks and feels to their work, whether it's content, mm -hmm. whether it's the context mm -hmm. of the platforms, but instead of it being more the tried and true uh, typical blue PMS whatever yeah. <laughs> in healthcare, yeah. they're really looking for more vibrant, much more visual communications to reach this audience. Mm -hmm. Because, as you know, it doesn't. You know, this audience is not a reading generation; it is a visual generation. And how do you quickly communicate and touch their hearts and minds and get them motivated in just you know what I kind of call the eight-second rule, which is about the time most people spend with. The average message mm -hmm. and how do you do that in eight seconds and it's a, it's a real challenge so from a branding and marketing standpoint it makes it great for us because you have to be real relevant and you have to be very breakthrough and real emotional and empathetic and relevant is the key word in about eight seconds yeah 
I think Google has warned up to us that they're getting it to six seconds. So they're there they're saying go. even that attention span is, is narrowing. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I have to be honest with well, you. I mean, I don't think it's restrictive to generations. I'm I'm yeah. Gen X, right? And yeah. the more I see this visual. Gen, the visual impacts of branding and, and impact and awareness, um, I, it's starting to wear on to me too, right? right? So I'm starting to make those split second decisions and, and assessments. So um, I'm wondering, I mean, that, that sounds like a unique, unique um, challenge. It, it is. And I think, again, it's for all brands, all yeah. organizations, um, but especially when you're trying to get into a younger again more visually oriented society and, and and demographic you have to be right on in terms of imaging in terms of messaging in terms of the keywords and all that thing you have to you have to be right on so that and i'll give you an example mm-hmm. uh, again for the american academy of pediatrics mm-hmm. where typically their microsite or their landing page might have listed networking and research and then you click on it and you find out all the things they can do Mm-hmm. for networking and research. So now that's kind of been relabeled. And now instead of networking and research, it's meet others who want to change children's health in the future. So you, those word shifts are really important because if you're going to drive someone back to a site, landing site, whatever that mm-hmm. whatever that anchor is, and they're going to look and see, see what we can do for you in networking, they're going to skip right over it. But yeah. if it's more of, you know, join fellow members who are looking to change X, Y, and Z, they're more likely to click on that and get engaged with it. That is, I mean, that right there is like one of the impacts. We talk about the impact of consumerism on the consumers and hospitals. Absolutely. This is the impact of consumerism on all, even professionals in space, right? We're getting rid of that. So are you telling me there's hope that we won't have that extra E in ortho, or the extra A in orthopedics? Um, that could be the case. Okay, well, hopefully that's yeah, the case. Yeah, that, that could be but the case. But we're normalizing knows language. How to bring it in there. Yeah. Well, and I wish hospitals would, you know, would do yeah. that as well because yeah. hospitals continue to chest beat mm-hmm. and not heartbeat, as we call it, right. in terms of really being relevant with their consumers. And in Chicago, here while you're here visiting, if you happen to tune on the, the TV or whatever, you'll see major organizations saying exactly the same thing over and over and over to the point you can't even differentiate it. It's frustrating uh, as a you know brander in, right. in healthcare because how come you know people can constantly say the same attributes and not speak to their audiences in terms mm-hmm. like you're saying that they understand and are meaningful to them. Right. And the same thing with all the associations, yes. Well, I think that's you know I think that's that's really important to kind of highlight that because when you think about um, the, the, the average healthcare professional today, they're, they're a lot different than people entering into the marketplace. And even in hospitals and health systems, I, I work for an academic medical center, and we're trying to attract you know, fellows and people that want to continue their education and become uh, you know, medical professionals. We have to shift the way we talk to them because that kind of that, that boardroom speak or even that clinical speak, it's just not resonating anymore. Right. It's not. And, and you're right. It, it, it because it's not about us, it's about them and why they're entering the field they're entering. Right. And so it's, you know, when we speak to them as a clinician, 
and we speak to them about how leverageable they are oh, gosh. to our markets here or marketplace. <laughs> You're right. They roll their eyes and laugh. That I don't want to be leverageable. I want to be relevant and meaningful. Yeah. And so that's the key. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what all this communications is doing. But you're at, actually uh, right on. What other types of content shifts are you seeing? Are they, are they creating different types of content for their members? You know, one of the big shifts is creating, and I don't know, you probably have a term for it or word for it, but kind of these thematic social media platforms. So instead of, for example, it being uh, brought to you by X, Y, and Z Medical Association, it's coming up with a thematic, and let's just call it Make a Difference in the World mm-hmm. campaign. So the, the content has switched, again, from being real organization-focused to audience-focused. So even the themes and the ideas behind some of the bigger platforms are, are seemingly changing their, their themes. Yeah, I could see that, too. And when you're attracting these members and making a promise that being part of our association, right. you're going to impact better. Right. Uh, impact the organ, uh, the industry or even the world in a much bigger way. Yeah. I assume that it's a heavy drive too for sort of having those, highlighting those members, right, and right. and bringing them forward and saying, hey, you have made a difference. Yep. I'll I'll give you a quick example outside on the absolute other end of the spectrum. We're accustomed to the funeral industry, mm-hmm. so we did a major campaign for sixteen thousand businesses in the funeral industry, and that's kind of what they are: funeral homes, vault manufacturers. Monument Builders, and this is a coalition that was in Milwaukee and still is in Milwaukee. So very quickly, all of the businesses got together because, A, they found out through extensive research that the funeral industry has a negative perception among consumers because it's a sales process. You know, mom dies, you come in, and they ask you a thousand questions. They want to sell you a thousand items, and people turn their, you know, they turn away from that. So today, there's a proliferation of new body disposal, I know it sounds kind of weird, alternatives, whether it's green, whether it's blue, whether right, in yeah. the ocean, whatever yeah. it is, or in the ground. So at any rate, instead of the organization coming through with a campaign to counter that, we work with this association to come up with a thematic idea called Have the Talk of a Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to give all funeral professionals materials they could then distribute to consumers at a lower time of threat, at community events, at church meetings and whatever, encouraging people to have the talk of a lifetime about what's important to them, what matters to them, their favorite memories. So when the time comes, and hey, it does come, instead of it being a sales process and trying to pull information out of people about mom or dad or grandma, we know about it. We know about our mother. We know what was important. And so then it becomes a personalized, very relevant, meaningful discussion with a funeral professional instead of being on the other side of it and being, you know, kind of sold to. So that's a perfect example, really. I mean, it's a little like, <laughs> it's a little extreme and maybe a little, you know, morbid or oh, whatnot, yeah. but it is life. And, uh, and, but that's a great example of how an association try to, to your point, give the materials to its members to help them reposition themselves in the marketplace. And that's uh, that's kind of the other side of this whole equation. You know, I can't help, even though we are talking about funerals, <laughs> funerals, wow. And, no, and, and yeah. even medical associations, right, right, I can't right. help but see a direct correlation to the things that people in hospitals and health systems are doing now. Right. Because, I mean, if you want to draw the, the draw a direct line, 
we don't think about a, a medical intervention until that actually happens, right? So how do we draw that affinity and that alignment and that awareness? Yes. And how can we reposition ourselves? Right. So this seems like a natural, you know, a natural uh, extension of yeah. what you guys are doing. Yeah, and, and there's some hospitals that are doing a great job. So instead mm-hmm. of, you know, marketing uh, women's health, they're marketing, you know, at a time of need, they're marketing, you know, uh, healthy women. And I remember, I mean, this probably takes you back. I remember all those programs years and years ago, <laughs> and they almost were before their time, you know, mm-hmm. because it was a way to gain that loyalty before there was a time of crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I, it does extend. And I think it's uh, it's kind of a big, a big idea. Wow. Well, every time I get together with you, Rob, I learn so much more about this space. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a digital marketer. I know a lot about numbers and I know how to optimize keywords and stuff like that. But branding sometimes still eludes me and I, you just fill me full of some great yeah. insight. So thank well, you for that. I appreciate that. it. I'm it's been always a- happy to be, uh, be one of your guests. So if people want to know more about you, yes. what's a good way for them to get a hold of you? Well, they can, uh, they can email me at rob at springboardbrand.com. All one word, Springboard, B-O-A-R-D. Or, or they can uh, find me on, uh, on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. at Rob Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. And they can find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Or they can look at the springboardbrand.com the website. Well, Lots link- of ways to get uh, I'd give you everything except my home phone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll link to all of that in the, sh- in the show notes of this episode. So okay, we really great. appreciate yeah, that, Rob. Thanks for Let's us. try to make it so that we can talk a little bit more frequently than a conference once a year. What do you I, think? I'm, I'm all yours. Okay. You let me know when and what, and I'll be there. Okay. Thanks so much, Rob. You got it. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, many thanks to Rob for his thoughts. It was a really good conversation. It's good to catch up with him. And as I mentioned at the end of the uh, interview, we need to have him on the show a little bit more. He's a really smart dude. Absolutely. Uh, always great to, to see and hear from Rob. So looking forward to catching him at some of the conferences, which we'll get into here in uh, just a minute. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. Uh, rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to be listening. And uh, yeah, let's talk about a few of these places we're going to be that hopefully uh, Rob will also be. First one is here in Nash, Vegas, uh, September the 8th through the 11th. And it's the ShishMed Connections, uh, the 2019 edition. If you're coming to ShishMed, uh, I've got an event I'd love to invite you to. If you'll reach out to me, it's going to be pretty cool, I promise. So anyway, hit me up, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever's easiest, or if you got my email, and I'll make sure you get invited to that event. But uh, again, September 8th through the 11th. That's right. And if you can't make Shishmed um, and you want to hear from me and Reed more than just in this podcast, Reed and I are going to be doing a webinar with Medicom on September 14th. Put that, add that to our show notes when we're ready. But it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation with Tony Hooth from uh, Medicom. We're looking forward to doing something with him. Absolutely. And uh, shortly after that, uh, about a month later, latter part of October, we'll be up uh, your direction, Chris, at the Mayo Clinic social media networks annual conference it's october the 22nd 23rd in rochester minnesota uh, you can learn more about that over on their website socialmedia.mayoclinic.org we'd love to see you there we've been doing it for years it's a great group and uh, a lot of fun 
And another conference that we've been doing for years is the good old Healthcare Internet Conference. That's November 4th through the 6th in Orlando, Florida. You and I will be there again, Reed. Nice place to be, uh, Florida, in November, particularly if you're coming from the cold climes like me up here in Minnesota. We'll be there in force November 4th through the 6th at the Healthcare Internet Conference. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Great lineup for the fall. And uh, again, we'd love to hear from you if you're going to be at any of these. We'd love to connect in person. Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, let's talk about some recommendations. What do you have today? Reed, I'm going to recommend a show that I pretty much binge watched this weekend while my wife was away. It's a show on Amazon called The Boys. Have you heard of this show? No, uh uh-uh. I'm a big fan of superhero shows, superhero, you know, Marvel, whatever. This is actually um, a superhero television series. It's based in a world where superheroes are in real life. They're existing. And, you know, they have their prerequisite Superman, Wonder Woman type character. They even have someone that runs really fast and even an Aquaman-like character. But here's the thing. It actually uh, reflects these superheroes as private citizens that get together and they start this mega corporation where they basically sell their super services to cities. They make deals with the mayors for $200 million a year. I will have this one superhero be like live in your city. And, you know, they have a whole marketing department. They do television programming. They do the products and sports and all this other stuff. Like it's like this complete run as a mega corporation. And what happens is one of the main characters is a normal guy and he, his life is changed by a superhero, and he suddenly takes a disdain towards them, and he slowly starts to investigate and uncover what happens. And it's just like this really great eight-part series, very much an adult show, so don't invite the kids, because it's very much, there's a lot of language, a lot of uh, adult mature themes in it. But it's interesting and fascinating to think about what it would be like if superheroes actually ran a multi-billion dollar organization. What kind of power and might they would have over, you know, just the normal people that live in the cities. And uh, one last thing, the lead character is Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid is the son of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. Oh, so I recommend it highly. The Boys, it's on Amazon streaming video. It's an Amazon exclusive. So Very cool. I am recommending, uh, again, everybody's heard at nauseum to this point that I've moved to Nashville. But uh, anyway, we had to order you know a little bit of new furniture as you do when you move into a new house. You end up with a place or two that you didn't have something for. And so this is actually a company, uh, they're online only furniture company. We had used them once before in order to cheer for our bedroom when we lived back in Texas. And uh, when we needed some new living room furniture, we thought, you know what, this has been a great chair. Let's just get some more of it. A company called Joybird, joybird.com. You can get a free swatch kit from them. And so they'll send you all the fabric samples and uh, colors of wood and all that kind of stuff. So you can go through and find what you want and order it you know, custom with the fabric you want and all that kind of stuff. It's really great. And it's, it's well-priced stuff. You know, typically they're having some sort of a sell. So you very seldom have to pay full price. They do have some of their more popular pieces in a couple of fabrics kind of ready to ship, so to speak, that you can get pretty quick. Uh, everything else is custom made for you uh, with the color and the, you know, the fabrics and, and the wood color and all that kind of stuff that you pick. It, it's really well done stuff, really, really nicely done pieces most of their stuff feels a little more mid-century. They do have some other other pieces that, that aren't quite as on the nose as, as some of them, but 
it's more of that mid-century kind of wood and fabric mix and, and some of that. But anyway, yeah, fabric pieces, outdoor pieces, uh, furniture like coffee tables and nightstands and entertainment pieces and things like that. So anyway, check it out, joybird.com. So cool. I'm looking at it right now. Really, really cool stuff they have out here. Really interesting idea, too. Love it. They're really well-made pieces. So we've had one for a few years now, and then we just we, we ordered some new stuff that we've had, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. All right. Well, there it is, folks. Uh, another show in the books, number 132. Again, special thanks to Rob. Appreciate him. Look forward to seeing him in person this fall. Look forward to seeing all of you in person this fall. Again, let us know. Touchpoint.health is the website. Rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcast. And for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.